Welcome to Heads Up Hockey. It is all things hockey talk and all things centric around the game. And it's also New Jersey Devils talk as well. And please enjoy the show. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are brought to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Heads Up Hockey Podcast. And once again, we bring back Armand Klisvich of the Puck Authority, and this is Jersey Joe of the Puck Authority as well. So how is everybody with your Stanley Cup? Good. How are you, Joe? Pretty good. So the Lightning are off 3 to nothing so far against the Dallas Stars, so... The first game of this series looked pretty electric uh, for the Dallas Stars. What do you think shined in that game? You know, I think I think Dallas just came out, you know, we have to remember Dallas had a lot of rest coming into the series. So I think that was one of the key factors for them when the um, in game one. And they just looked electric coming out from, from the start of the game. They they looked like they were all over Tampa Bay in that in game game one. And so, you know, you talk about the amount of rest. Usually it might contradict most things where, you know, you lose that momentum after such a break. But it seems like with the way the Tampa Bay Lightning only has such a short wait to play game two, one. Coming out right out of a lightning bolt. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I think if you look at, at tonight's game, it, it shows what, what Tampa Bay can, can really do offensively. And, you know, they, they don't have Steven Stamkos right now. And you think you could think if, if Stamkos is back in game three, it just makes that team even more dangerous than what they are right now. Like, for instance, you know, usually when you have Stamkos up on the first line on the center, and he can sometimes move to the wing and play the point, and he can – take that wicked slapper from a guy like Kucherov or even someone like a, uh, like a headman who's really good at setting up the play. And sometimes, you know, Stamkos might fake a pass and, and it would be a beautiful slap pass to a guy like, uh, let's say headman for a slap shot goal. Yeah. And I think, I, I think, you know, like you said, it, 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 it adds a Stamkos in lineup adds a lot, but you know, Tampa Bay hasn't had Stamkos for most of the playoffs, and they, 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 they've managed it. So it's just going to be very interesting to see how much more dangerous they are when he comes back, as I've mentioned. And so um, early in the year, Rick Bonus took over for Jim Montgomery, who was ousted from his role um, due to um, some personal issues. Podcasting. Well, anyways, it it seemed that the way that they're playing, that it's just very persevering. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think one of the um one of the biggest things for the, for Dallas, I think right now is you know not only the coaching change, but I think you know um, Hudobin's played absolutely amazing in the, the playoffs, and I think. You know, if you look at the playoffs, we've really seen how how good backup goaltenders are, and it's really been their time to shine in the uh, in the, in the playoffs this season. Yeah, and like you said, you pointed out to goaltending. You know, who would have known Anton Hudobin? You know, a guy who used to play for the Bruins um, found his place in Dallas, and he seems to be doing such a great job replacing Bishop, and then. The other guy behind Hudobin is Jake Ottinger, who used to play for Team USA and played for Boston University. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it it's 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 shown. And you know, I think another big thing you have to look at, Joe, is Hudobin's in a in a contract year. You know, 
So the question is, you know, we we've seen you know goaltenders starting to get a little bit more money, and you see you saw Montreal go out and get a guy like Jake Allen. So I think it's gonna be really interesting to see, you know, what what who Dobin's gonna ask for and what he's gonna get um, in the offseason. And you mentioned, you know, players are in their contract year. You know, um, there was a big payday recently for one other NHL player. I can't think of top the name right now, but it was mentioned on another podcast. But um, the way I'm, oh yeah, it was Jonas Brodin for Minnesota. It shows you with what kind of player that they drafted, and they believe in, and. Do you think a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning could, you know, reallocate some money, you know, towards other veteran players that they should retain and keep, you know, for the longer core of their team, even though they may win a Stanley Cup? Yeah, I think, I think no matter what, I think Tampa Bay is in a, in a very good position. They have, they have a lot of good key pieces. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they try to keep the same core, um, Joe, you know, You've seen them the last two years, and they've they've been a strong team the last two years. So, so I think they're going to try to keep keep their roster as they're going to keep a lot of the same guys uh, heading into next season. And you know, Jamie Ben was one of those really good, you know, second day draft steals in past recent drafts. And you look at Tyler Johnson. You know, Johnson doesn't get the kind of coverage that he should be getting. Unlike, you know, Braden Point is one of those guys that. You know, in the draft, you really pay your scouts a lot to um, find. Um, what do you think about these guys that you find in the later rounds that shine in the later years? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it, if you look at some of the guys, you know, I think it's all about development. Um, I think, you know, we're seeing, you know, recently a lot of guys being rushed up to the NHL, and, you know, you, you see it, you know, I'm a, as you know, I cover the Canadians, and you see it a lot in Montreal. You know, you look at a guy like Jasperi Kanemi, um, who was rushed up, and, you know, he had a strong, you know, rookie season, but then, you know, that sophomore slump kind of kicked in. But when you look at a guy who's like Nick Suzuki, who spent a lot of time, you know, in, in Guelph, in the OHL, and then got to have spent time in Laval, he's proved to be a huge part of the Canadians, and, and will be a huge part of the team heading moving forward. And, you know, um, in this bubble city that they've had for the cent- the Western and the Eastern conferences, we've seen so many hat tricks in this bubble city uh, in Edmonton and in uh, Toronto. You know, it was um, one of the Dallas players, I believe it was Gurionov, if I was yeah. correct. And then there was another guy the other night, the Finn, that scored a hat trick in overtime and it just seems like this is the year of the hat trick in in 2020 of all crazy years yeah yeah like i said it, it's the year of the hat trick and it's the it's the year of the backups and you know it, it it's it's proven to show you know and i think you know i've said this for a while now you know i think i think teams are going to start using a two goaltender system instead of you know relying on a number one guy and having you know a guy not a not uh uh, not having to worry about getting uh, a solid backup. And I think, you know, teams are starting to realize you need two goaltenders. Yeah, you know, I was trying to point out to people on the Devils side of things, you know, Devils fans on social media, I try and say, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if the Devils picked Yaroslav Askarov, if they had to trade one of their three picks to move up and get him. Because, you know, it's good to have Blackwood, but you got to have, some good peer pressure on your one a and it's good to have two one a's if that makes sense or one a one b whatever you want to call it but it's good to have a, a solid tandem um we saw something similar with a young Corey schneider and a really good roberto luongo in vancouver uh under olan melanson uh as the goalie coach yeah i think askarov would be a huge addition to the devils and i think I think he's a guy they, they really need, John. I think, you know, you really don't know what what Corey Schneider you're going to get next season. And I, I think that's a huge thing for the Devils. I mean, obviously you have to go out and sign Blackwood um, in the offseason. But I think I think Corey Schneider is a huge question mark. And I think having a guy like Askarov, you know, maybe, maybe you start you, you keep Schneider up to start. 
but I think you got you got it. Maybe I ask Rob if if Schneider struggles in the game of the year, you you bring him up and see what he can do. Well, one of the things is you know the K, he's basically playing in the KHL. Um, I'm not sure about the KHL contract, but um, you know it's a good time to let you know players from abroad develop for at least a season or whatever how long their contract is. And, you know, let's say um, theoretically, let's say another team like De- not let's say Detroit or um, Ottawa picks Lucas Raymond or Alexander Holtz. Right. They get that guy on the SHL contract for one or two seasons and it allows them not to rush. And you talk about development, you know, development is one of the most important things that must be timed correctly. Otherwise, it's a waste. Yeah, and we and we and we've seen that we've seen that all over. Um, you know, and it, it's just going to be very interesting. And, you know, I think you know another guy you look at is Zadina. You know, he hasn't done much in Detroit. And the question is, when will he? When will we see the the, the Zadina that we, we we've all heard of that's going to score? You know, twenty twenty five goals for Detroit. Right. I I really like. You know, him in his draft year, um, I think he was the one with uh, the Halifax Mooseheads, if I was correct. It was somewhere in the QMJHL, but I remember he had a really good draft year. And I couldn't believe Montreal passed up on him for Kotka Niemi. Nothing against uh, Bergevin, but honestly, the fan side of me believed that they could have gotten Zadina. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm one of those people who, who who think they made the right move. You know, Montreal was and still is look needs needs help up the middle, and I think that's who they were looking at when they saw Kinemi is, is is another center. And you know, um, it reminds me, you know, when you look at the way Ray Shiro used to do things, and I know it's Tom Fitzgerald's at the helm, and Scott Harris is running the draft for the Devils. Um, he used to be the one of the guys who would run the analytics for the Devils, and he used to be with Castron and and uh, Columbus, and this was on Elite Prospects. And you know, it seems like there's a bit of money puck along with the original old school um, scouting game, and it seems like it's being intertwined um, in New Jersey, where Fitzgerald wants a blend of old school and a new school. Meanwhile, using the new technology in today's game. So I can see, let's say, you know, a really good puck carrier, but they still have to use um, all these advanced technologies and stats to um, go along with scout reports. You can't just go off of one or the other. No, I, I totally agree. You know, technology, like, as we all know, is, is continuing to improve in the world all over. And I think, I think the hockey world is really starting to use it. And so um, you have obviously seen a lot of players in Adirondack with the Thunder. Um, You've seen some other teams um, in those leagues um, starting to, I guess, innovate in a certain way. Um, How do you see those teams trying to improve their brand along with their style of hockey. You know, I think I, I think, you know, when you when you look at the ECHL, you know, a lot of these teams are are affiliated with AHL and NHL clubs. And I think when you look at the, the NHL clubs and you know the whole way down in, in the organization, I think you kind of see this the same kind of same style kind of hockey. And I think, you know, because you want players to be able to adjust, you know, to be able to go to that next level and, and play the same kind of system that they've been playing, you know, for the last two or three years. Um, and I think that's a huge part of it. And, you know, like you said, you see a different style and you kind of see, you know, when you have, you know, a team like Maine, you kind of see, you know, the, the kind of game the Rangers would play. You know, well, when Wizard comes in, you kind of see the, the, the game the Islanders would play. So I think I think it all, they try to base it on the, the AHL and NHL clubs as well. And, you know, you talk about the style of play, you know, during the regular season, you know, it's a blend of speed, physicality and finesse but with the teams that are in the Stanley Cup now they play a mixture of you know physicality and a lot of speed and heaviness and I think the hard hitting is here to stay near and long term 
Um, I believe most of these guys are more clean hitters than some of their other teams that got eliminated. Um, what do you think about the the physical style of uh, today's hockey, where people are used to the old rock'em sock'em, you know, you know, more uh, how do I say charging? Minors, I mean charging majors, rather. No, I, I think I think you know over the last few years, I think it's become more of you know a, a skill and finesse game and and less of you know a hitting game. I think I think you know in the, in the playoffs, you're always going to see that heavy hitting kind of game. But I think you know in, in a regular in a, in like a full 82 regular season game, um, a full season where there's 82 games, you're going to see you know the more of a finesse game and less less game. We've seen. I was going to say, you know, you see guys like Blake Coleman, you know, I'm familiar with him because he's developed, you know, with, you know, Miami, Ohio, um, that university. And he came to New Jersey, you know, played a similar game to John Madden, you know, big, strong, physical player. Maybe not the big guy that you want to be big and burly with, but he's the type of guy that protects the puck, you know, gets to the high danger scoring areas. Um, he's not afraid to make, you know, the team first pass or make a nice, you know, unselfish shot on that. And it's just, you know, he's one of those kinds of players that plays that, you know, team style physical play, high tempo game. And I think he's one of those, like I said in that group chat um, with the Pocket Authority guys, I said my two guys for this series that will affect the outcome will be Mira Heiskanen the defenseman and Blake Coleman for Tampa Bay, because these guys have really, you know, changed the pace of game. Yeah. And, and you see it. I think, I think his can be a huge part of Dallas. And, um, you know, I think he's a young guy who's going to, he's going to be a huge part of that, that core um, for a long time. And you look at Coleman, you know, he brings a lot of experience to a Tampa Bay team. And I think he's perfect for a guy who's going to play, you know, five, six minutes and he's going to throw, you know, can throw the body around and, 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 you know, can also, you know, be an upside offensively. I think, you know, a guy like, you know, Blake Coleman in a, in a free agency year, we're talking about players, you know, playing for their extra cash. Um, I, I can see a guy like Blake Coleman fetching around $2.5 million a season at least. And he's going to be enjoying that, you know, Florida state tax uh, of 0%, you know, staying down there uh, majority of the time, unless uh, give it, it's granted that, you know, the playing in bubble cities is a little bit different. So, um, you know, most of these games are usually up north where, you know, your take home pays a little less. So I guess you have to pay a little bit extra in those in, in that season just to, uh, I just saw something on um, what was it? Um, I think it was Sportsnet with uh, Brian Burke, who was talking about the difference between why Canadian players go down to NHL teams in the U.S. because they like to take in more, but play better in different markets. Yeah, that, that, that obviously plays a huge. I think I think it plays a role. At it. Um... When, when when contract negotiations, you know, are are ongoing, and you know, yeah, yeah, and I think you know, yeah, you talk about for the 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 no, the no tax, and you know, it's definitely gotta you know be a player's mind when he's when he's looking to sign a contract. And Joe Pavelski just scored with the assist from Klingberg and Radulov, and Radulov started that big play. Yeah. So this game ain't over just yet, people. It's the second period, so um, you got four minutes and forty nine seconds left. So yeah, it's. I mean, you know, this is one of those series where it could go either way. I think this is going to go seven games. You there, Ramon? Hold on a second. I got to see if he's there. Hello? Uh, I was just wondering if you cut out for. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> so Joe Pavelski just scored a goal um, from 
Klingberg and Radulov who yeah, assisted them. Yeah, and Radulov's had a very good series. Has um, had a very good playoffs this year. You know, when Radulov came to Montreal, you know, he looked like a whole new player, you know. Seemed to be more matured, reformed, you know, playing, you know, outside of the KHL bubble. And playing in Montreal gave him that energy, I believe, you know, playing in front of those Canadians fans every game in and out and just seeing Yeah, yeah, and, I'm, live and you know, as you mentioned, he seemed like a new player. And, you know, I'm kind of disappointed Montreal didn't go out and resign him. Do you believe, you know, some guys, you know, when they go back to, you know, another league to, I guess, to maybe challenge themselves and bet on themselves, do you think that this is the way of the future where younger guys or old and try and upon their time and be more productive and then see if they can bet on themselves, you know, try and go after another team? that might suit their uh, play style. Hold on a second. I'm on the, you're still there? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, my Wi-Fi is cutting out tonight, but so, yeah, I, I, I don't think, I think it, it's hard to tell right now, um, Joe. I think... I think I say that because you know you see a lot of your players being loaned out um, overseas. Um, you know, of everything going on in the pandemic, so I, I think it, I think it's hard to tell. But I, I think it, it's we're good guys. You know, looking to prove themselves again um, once they come back to the NHL. Yeah, so like one of the players that I I really look forward to seeing on loan. You know, Mary Sudanich playing with. Uh, Slovan and uh, Slovakia, Slovakia, you know, they always have a good hockey culture. Um, maybe not at the junior level, but it seems, you know, at the international level, they always try and play with more pride as they can. And it seems that, you know, they're starting to develop more players each draft year. You know, last year, Maxim Kajkovic, you know, in the QMJHL was one of those players that I thought the Devils would take in the second day of the draft. And, you know, I was a little upset, but hey, you know, someone else got him and he's looking pretty good. But, you know, they the Devils still picked some really solid players um, in that round. But um, really, I think a, a country like Slovakia, you know, is really building its reputation, especially um, with a kid like Samuel Chlovay, um with Sherbrooke as a goaltender. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think that's one thing, um, like we talked about earlier, I think, I think that's one thing New Jersey really need really needs is, is just to produce, you know, young goaltenders. Yeah, it's like, you know, the after I mean Shiro came in, you know, he's been, you know, picking like a Cole Brady, a Kira Schmid, Jill's Sen, you know, you know, overage goaltender, but you know, they're trying to um see which of those guys will be the goaltender of the of the future, um, along with Blackwood, and you know, if the Devils do get Askarov, I'd be very floored to have him. You know, I know some people might not be as excited, where you know Holt seems to be the guy um, for most people, um, but there's a lot of great quality in the first 10, 15 picks of this draft that can lead to some steals in the in the later rounds and. Um, Joe Blomkvist um, seems to be like a really good puck tracking goaltender. Um, one guy I talked to who's a scout for uh, Rex Scouting said that he would be a great backup goaltender, but I still think he could be a really good starter. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree there, but I think right now the Devils have to keep their faith in, in Blackwood as, as number one of the foreseeable future. I mean, you know, you look at this year's um, free agency, I think a guy like Thomas Grice would fit well if the Devils could um, draft a, you know, really solid goaltender like Askarov and, you know, bridge the gap and allow Askarov not to be rushed. And then, you know, you see a guy like him, you know, 
um, Niskarov comes up, he comes playing out of his own crease sometimes, and he does a what Johan Hedberg used to do is just dive and pocheck or just come out of his net and play the puck. And you know, one of those things it's just, you don't see that out of the goaltenders. I mean, I'm sure you know this from Carey Price being a someone who lives in the Montreal area or watching a lot of Habs games. Yeah, yeah, and you know. Price is, is an elite goaltender, and there's, there's no doubt um, that you see a lot of, you know, his puck tracking skills are, are, are phenomenal. And, you know, I think, I think he is, you know, one of the top goaltenders. I think, you know, I think the only thing that, you know, Montreal really didn't have a solid defense, and they kind of just let it laid him out to dry this year. Yeah, and you, you got to look forward to, like, you know, you guys have Caden Primo, you know, a New Jersey boy, you know, played at the college ranks. Um, his father was an NHL player. Um, Keith, if I remember, it was Keith. If I'm correct on that one, um, he he certainly seems to be, you know, along with Zachary Fukale to try and, you know, take over that secondary third spot in Montreal. And that's not that's not an easy lineup to crack, you know, to be a goaltender in that market. No, it's not. And you know, I think I think you know. The addition of Jack Allen really gives both, you know, Lindgren and and, and Primo room, room to grow, and I think Primo obviously gets the starting nod um, in Laval next season when it begins. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think Primo is definitely going to be the goaltender of the future, you know, once Price retires. But I, I just don't think Montreal wants to keep a guy like Primo who's got potential just sitting on the bench for half the season. Yeah, and, you know, we talk a lot about um, the goaltenders. And one of the things that I like to look at on, you know, other teams that have drafted pretty well, um, you look at Essel Lindell, you know, he's he's a really good two-way player. You know, he can skate up ice, you know, with ease. But someone who does it with even more ease is his teammate, Miro Heiskanen. Um, he just, you know, he reminds me of Scotty Niedermeyer. Um, the way he handles the puck, he's just – he's as cool as a cucumber. I mean, there, there's no one better than him in in this, you know, this Stanley Cup final that I think would, you know, would be most deserving of a trophy. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of guys break out, um, you know, especially in the bubble. And, you know, Lindell, like you mentioned, is one of those guys. I mean, you know, you look at, you know, recent drafts, you know, what do you think about the Kale McCars, the Mira Heiskanen's, and how would you compare that to a Jamie Drysdale, you know, Drysdale playing for the Erie Otters and Team Canada? Um, what do you think of, you know, that tier? Do you think he's similar or lesser than? No, I think, I think Drysdale's definitely at least on the same level with them. Um, you know, I think, you know, they, they took a little bit of different paths um, to get to the NHL. I mean, if you look at McCarr, a guy who came out of UMass um, last season and um, obviously made an impact for the Avalanche right away, um, you look at a guy like Drysdale who's been playing, you know, out out in the OHL for the last few years. I think I think, you know, a guy like Drysdale has a little bit more experience, a little bit more, you know, like I said, experience under his belt and could could suit better for an NHL team um in the future. And you know, um just talking about, you know, really good future defensemen, you know, uh, Jake Sanderson to me, he reminds me of a younger, more physical version of a Ryan McDonough. Uh from the New York Rangers as a younger guy, you know, you know, a kid like him, I don't see him as a seventh overall pick. I can see him, you know, 10, 15 in that range. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, New Jersey moved up to get him. Um, the fact that he's going to uh, university of North Dakota is a ex- extremely great program. Um, to me, I like to see, you know, guys go to big, big school markets like that you know, in the U S and it shows that you have a lot of potential with those kinds of coaches that know how to produce players and develop them. And it just shows you like, you know, Zajac and Taves have come out of those programs um, just to kind of give people a perspective of what 
you know, first round talent has come out of there in recent years. Yeah, and you know, it's it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, with no NCAA hockey this year, how teams approach next year's draft. Yeah, I believe 2021 is going to be a little bit up in the air, but, you know, I hear things about 2021 being a more uh, defensive uh, centered a little bit more uh, than this year's. I mean, um, you know, Luke Hughes, you know, the the third Hughes brother will be in that draft. Um, you have Aturatu, you know, uh, from Finland, the forward who's supposed to be the census first overall pick. Um, you, you got a lot of really good players in that draft. Then you have Shane Wright in the next one. And Lord knows all these other good players, you know, coming up from each. Yeah. Person. And I think, I think Shane Wright's going to be a huge guy to look out for um, in next year's draft, especially with him being granted exceptional status. Um, so I'm really excited to see where he's going to end up uh, going. And, you know, um, just talking about players and developing, you know, how is Canada handling, you know, you know, with the under 18s, you know, I heard something, you know, in Alberta or something, they were talking about having a bubble, I believe, to, you know, bring on the up and coming 21 uh, U18s, if that's correct. Yeah, they did announce that the uh, the World Junior Classic um, will be held in at the Edmonton bubble um, this year, which is great to hear. Um, at least on the men's side. So, I mean, one of the biggest tournaments that, you know, a lot of fans look forward to um, at the end of the year is still going to happen um, in the bubble. So I'm really happy to hear that news. One of the things that I look forward to, you know, um, not just the men's side, but also the women's side, you know, the uh, NWHL, you know, you know, in my market, it's the Riveters. And then you have, you know, the Connecticut Whale, and all these other franchises, you know, who've been around a little bit longer than some others, you know, Minnesota opened up and now you have the Toronto six um, that, you know, our guy, Justin Levine covers. Um, do you think somehow, some way that the NWHL will be able to get, you know, games in a similar bubble like that? I, I you know, I don't know if they would do a bubble, but you know, I think I think women's hockey. I think I think women's hockey will happen. I think, you know, we've seen over the last, you know, we saw this weekend with the PWHPA starting up their, um, you know, exhibition exhibition games out in New Hampshire. I think that's huge for them, um, not only for the PWHPA, but for you know, you know, if you want to look at the NWHL, who's expected to start, you know, in December, or January. Um, it looks like January, uh, for them to get started. You know, even if. It, you know, with even with 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 or without fans, I think it's going to be huge. Um, just to make it sure. And for yeah, I was going to say before I cut you off, you know, um, you know, a lot of our listeners are you know at home on their phones or on their laptops or even you know their their PlayStation or Xbox, whatever console they have. You know, um, if they have access to uh, Twitch, um, they can watch the National Women's Hockey League. Um, like so many other things on there, you know, um, I heard, you know, from Anya Packer herself that, you know, that there was a, a ton of eyeballs being watched on that. And I actually like that they had, you know, a live draft, you know, um, I believe it was via Zoom. And I thought it was pretty interesting. No, it was via Zoom. And I, I think it's, it's great the way it's great the way they did it um, this year. And it was really exciting to watch, you know, having so many different people from, from, from different leagues being able to take part in that draft. And so um, what, what do you think about, you know, the way things are kind of shaping out with this pandemic year? You know, this is one crazy year. Um, we see a lot of, you know, different markets in hockey, you know, kids are picking up sticks and blades um, in markets that we would have, otherwise not have thought of, you know, um, having Dallas, Texas, and you have Tampa Bay, Florida, you know, with the big, you know, men's clubs for the NHL, you know, does this mean that going forward 
other non-traditional hockey markets can play with the big boys in the non-traditional markets? No, I think I, I think I think they can. I think you know, as we've seen over the last few years, you know, we this we've seen during the pandemic, um, the NWHL was really they they did everything correctly. I think that's this is their year to get their eyes on them to try to get you know some more viewers and more more eyes on the women's game, which needs to grow, which needs to grow in my opinion. And uh, and do you see like some sort of like, um, like, let's say you know, and like the NHL has you know, um, fanatics for their apparel, um, you know, being sold online. Um, how else do you believe you know, the NWHL can promote their, uh, their gear and all that other stuff? You know, on let's say you know a Facebook or maybe. Instagram, you know, um, how else can they get their name out there? I think I think the one idea is just for more people, you know, just to continue to do what they're doing and just continue to reach out to, to women and just try to get more eyes on women's hockey because, you know, it, it may it, it's a great game and you know, view everyone should be able to watch. Everyone should watch because you know it, mm-hmm. it's it's not you know like the NHL. It's not gonna be that fast hitting game, but the skill level is absolutely phenomenal, and I think it's one of the want to be better leagues and it's kind of sad that not a lot of people are know about it. You know, um, I believe this is why, you know, one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast is because I like to promote all levels of hockey and it's not just the men's game. You know, um, I've seen over the years that, you know, international women's hockey, you know, one of the big things for me was watching, the South Korean um, Olympics and watching USA and Canada going into overtime to, I believe it was a shootout. And one, and one of the Riveters players, if I remember was Kessel or Lamoureux at the time they scored the goal. Um, and uh, they actually made it onto the Ellen DeGeneres show. I know I usually don't watch that kind of stuff, but um, I actually tuned in for that and they actually raised uh, USA women's, uh, hockey jersey um, on the platform and uh, Andy Lassner, the director of the show um, was on um, Puck Culture uh, a podcast for NHL Network Yeah, and like, like I said, stuff like that that's really going to grow the game So um, with the way that you know there's going to be more rumors and news headlines coming through um like for instance, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood got the six most most votes for goaltending. Um, who are some of the other goaltenders that you thought would have won that award? You know, I I did I I, I did a uh, article on this earlier in the year, and you know, I I think it's huge that you know, you know, it doesn't come as a surprise the winner this year, you know. Um, but you know, I I think Vasilevsky was definitely in it. You know, Rask had a, had a good year. Um, but you know, Hellebeck was really deserving of it, and he and he had a really solid year for 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 Colorado, and was a backstop there, and you know, really really showed what he could do. And I think he's going to be have a very promising future there in Colorado, especially you know now having a solid backup there in in in, uh, in Franco's. Franco's to me, you know, he was very lights out, and if, only if he was healthy. I would have loved to have seen Colorado probably win the Stanley Cup. I know most Stevels fans, you know, probably wouldn't like me to say that, but you know what? I'm unbiased when it comes to this stuff because, you know, they just have so much quality depth and depth and quality usually are pretty parallel on different words being paired. But to me in sports, when you have a mixture of great high quality depth it really means you can compete day in day out even if you lose your best player yeah and i think i think we saw a lot of that this this like i mentioned this off season this place um my mistake this during the playoffs this season and so um to update our viewers um over on nhl.com um david david satriano of the nhl um, wrote down that 
uh, Kale McCarr of the Avalanche wins the Calder Trophy as uh, NHL Rookie of the Year. And, you know, earlier um, in the year, I had Molly Walker of the New York Post. She covers the Rangers and the Islanders. And she's a UMass grad. And if you didn't listen to that episode, um, it's in there uh, for you to listen to. And um, she spoke very highly. I mean, higher than a kite, um, you know, high on Makar. And I'm sure you listen to Spittin' Chicklets about, you know, some of the other guys talking about the other candidates. I mean, Quinn Hughes could have easily gotten there. Um, I just think, you know, Makar's skill and edge and determination and ease just put him over the edge. Yeah, and, and yeah, as I mentioned, you know, Makar's had a, had a great year. And he's one of those, you know, young players that's really going to break out over the next few years and become, you know, one of the top defensemen in, in the NHL. And so what do you just think about a forward like Dominic Kubalik and, you know, in this extended – playoffs postseason and he was mentioned to be one of the other finalists along with Quinn Hughes and even late round pick Ethan Bear of the Edmonton Oilers got a good look at it yeah um yeah Kubelik's another strong guy who's going to be filling in for in Chicago and I think he's another strong player who's going to have a great career and so um one of the other guys that edged out um Mackenzie Blackwood um was Elvis Merzlikens of the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Latvian goaltender, really had a comeback of a year. Um, he did have one second um, second vote um, to come in that place, and he got seventeen uh, third overall, uh, you know, choices by the writers, along with thirty two uh, and. For fourth and uh, twenty-seven for fifth, uh, being placed on there, and Blackwood got thirty-two fifths and uh, fifteen fourths and sixteen thirds and one second. So it just seems like um, it's it seems like really that these writers believe in the goaltending in the Metropolitan. Um, what do you think about? Yeah, that? the Metropolitan. There was, you know, having really strong goaltending um, with Merzliskins and, you know, Blackwood. And, you know, the Rangers have a, are going to have a really good young core next year. So that's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, you know, the, the Islanders have Varlamov. So, so it, it's going to be it, – it's a very good goaltending division. Yeah, and, you know, some teams are rumored to have an internal cap of $75 million at the top versus eighty-one point five. Um, are, I believe we're going to probably see a firestorm, you know, once the Stanley Cup is hoisted. Um, what do you think about, you know, the realignment of certain players shaking up different conferences and, you know, possible blockbuster deals that could make, you know, everyone's iPhones explode? You know, I, I think... I think it's going to be interesting. You know, we've already seen, you know, teams who are out of it start making deals. Montreal getting Allen, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I think we'll see deals. I don't think we'll see crazy, crazy deals. Um, Just, you know, the cap staying flat and all that. Um, But, but I do think it's going to be a very interesting offseason. Um, and a very active one once everything comes to an end. So do you have any bold predictions, you know, for this Stanley Cup final? Like, um, I know, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning are up 3-1 currently. Um, who do you have winning it all? You know, as much as I love – as much as I've seen Tampa Bay play well, I kind of think Dallas in six or seven. I'll go Dallas in seven. I'm going to go lightning in seven. I tend to like the way that Tampa Bay's got a mixture of veterans, young guys, and Vasilev is the key X factor to this whole entire uh, series. And to me, you know, watching the the triplets and having a guy like Shattenkirk, you know, as your offensive defenseman, you know, not having to take 
too much responsibility. You know, I see, I like the blend that they have. I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas, you know, wins it in overtime and, you know, this, the Stanley cup, if the stars do win, you know, there's been so many overtime winners this year that it's the year of the overtime. Yeah, it, it is. And we've seen a lot of overtime this year. And it's going to be interesting to see how many we'll see in the in the uh, finals. And so um, with the way the draft's going to shake out, you know, I mean, I'm not sure if you've built up your mock draft board like I am, but who would be in your top 15 if you were to about it? Just theoretically, uh, that's a very good question, and uh, I haven't really done a, <laughs> I haven't really done a mock board. Uh, I know the Puck Story is a whole website we've we've started working on. We always do one every year, so that should be taken for within the next week or two. And so, I mean, you know, we talk about you know articles for the Puck Authority. You know, um, I sent. Uh, a bunch of PDFs that I scanned from 2019 and 2020 scouting report drafts for Justin Levine to eventually publish. Um, you know, he's going to have to do one for 2019 and 2020 um, that I did notes on. Um, I really, you know, think that the way I feel that this draft is going to look like, you know, it's going to be, Lafreniere, you're going to have Byfield the second, Stutzle at third. You're going to have a fourth, Perfetti. Fifth, probably going to go with Marco Rossi just to give you my first five. Um, you know, anyone who undervalues Rossi is missing out on a great opportunity. Um, the Ducks really should go for uh, Jamie Drysdale with what they have right in front of them. And I think that he would be a great player for them for a long time. Yeah, and he and he will. I think it'll be a huge impact for the Ducks. Um, for me at seven, um, I'm just thinking about a guy like um, Alexander Holtz. You know, if if it comes down to Holtz or Raymond, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they picked either player. Um, Holtz to me is a finisher. Um, Devils need a sniper. Uh, but if Holtz is taken a little bit sooner and Raymond's taken a little bit sooner, I would be just perfect with uh, Rossi. But um, I can definitely see Anton Lundell going after. You know, you know, maybe he's not the ex- most exotic player, you know, skating-wise and flash, but he gets the job done. And teams in 9 through 11 should be very happy to get him. Yeah, and he's a great player. It's going to be very interesting to see where he ends up. And, you know, we just look at the way, you know, some players shake out like Dawson Mercer. You know, he could be a really good sniper, right wing shooter. Um, He just, you know, he's a really good alternative captain um, with his team. If I remember correctly, it's Shakutami, if I recall correct. Yeah. but to me, he's one of those guys from Newfoundland that could be better than uh, Teddy Purcell. Yeah, it, you know, it, you're right. It, he could, he could be. Um, like, like what most things, only time will tell. And only time could tell. I mean, Newhook last year was another guy who was taken, you know, in, in the middle of the draft, and then you had Vasily Podkolzin, um, who really looked you know, very promising. He was going to go top three, but um, there was a lot of that Russian factor that scared off a lot of teams. But really, I, I'm i one of those people, you know, I don't worry too much about the Russian factor these days. A lot of these players really want to come here to stay. Yeah, and, and we, we've seen that a lot with the Russian players. They want to come here and stay. Um, and I think it's going to be a huge, you know, it's going to be a huge advantage to keep some of these Russians, especially, you know, now seeing that Radulov's back and you know, amid his problems that he's had in the past, he's he's really shown what what Russians can do. And you know, you know, you have the Montreal Canadiens. They could go with Hendrix Lapierre or Maverick Bork. You know, I know Montreal. You know, the hockey guy was talking about they need a 
a local boy that they need to have, you know, in the draft and, you know, build, you know, in the franchise. Um, to me, Hendricks Lapierre is one of those sleeper guys that could fall later in the first round, maybe early second round. Um, some people might wager. To me, he's an excellent player. It's just, I think it's the head and neck injuries that worry some teams. But if he's blessed with a clean bell of health, you know, from team doctors, um, to me, I think he should be taken a little bit sooner than later. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think I think health is always going to be a key point when you're drafting a young player. Um, yeah, so I think I think I think health is really a, a big factor. Yeah, and uh, you know we've seen a lot of interesting you know players go, let's say top fifteen to top five. You know, just about like last year with Moritz Sider. You know, you know Ken Holland. Um, what was it? No, Steve Eiserman made that big move. Um, Ken Holland's in another market now, but uh, Eiserman to me is you know, he makes a lot of bold moves that most people usually wouldn't do, but it seems you know, anything can happen on draft day, yeah, yeah. And that, that's what I love about draft is you know, you never know what's gonna happen, and there's always those one or two picks that surprise everybody, and so, um. People, you know, in on TSN talked a lot about Seth Jarvis of the Portland Winterhawks. You know, do you believe a kid, you know, of his stature can be not just a great playmaker, but a great goal scorer at the next level? Um, what do you see in a guy like him? You know, I really haven't looked into it, Joe. You know, I'm really um, starting to look, starting to get started my draft stuff. You know, just now, just with all my ECHL. So for that, I've been managing over the Puck Authority as, you know, our, uh, people who, who go to the site have been looking for him. We've really just started to transition into draft coverage. Yeah, I, you know me, I'm always in draft coverage. <laughs> I, I'm always thinking about the future, and uh, I try and do that in fantasy. And I, I want to challenge the Puck Authority uh, to a fantasy draft um, for – you know, the upcoming season, whenever that's going to be. But to me, I just want to, you know, have have us do that again. I thought it was fun last year. Um, what would you – who would you pick in the, your first round? Oh, in fantasy? That depends what pick I have, you know. It's, and it depends on, you know, what happens in the offseason, Joe. You know, depending on where guys go, it changes their value depending on where they go. And depending on who their teammates are. Exactly. Yeah, for me, like, I should have kept track of, like, which goaltenders I should go after, you know. Um, guys like Vasilevsky are still young enough to have me want to draft them, you know. Sometimes age doesn't matter, you know. That's why a good later-round pick like uh, Yaroslav Halak, you know, would be a great idea. But who knows if – Halak is, you know, his usual self. That's usually the other part about goaltending that's um, a little erratic, but it's kind of fun to play with with the volatility. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be very interesting. And so I know you wanted to touch on the Thunder um, earlier. What are some things that listeners should know about um, the Adirondack Thunder? Whew, okay. Um, you know, I think I think <laughs> I think there's a lot to know. I think you know this year they're they're obviously a team who's gonna come out who's gonna be coming out with you know with some fire, um, especially you know missing the playoffs their first time in their in, in you know five years in the first time in the last you know they've been there, made the playoffs four straight years they didn't make it this they weren't expected to make the playoffs this year before the season got halted, but I think you know and so. Go ahead. I think, you know, they added a few new key pieces. Um, you know, they added a guy like Nick Hutchinson, who they had at the end of the season. You know, they added, they added a goal to now Zacharopoulos. You know, you add, you add, you know, another two new two new defenders. You add a guy like St- Stefano Girio on the blue line. You add a guy um, in Matthew Berdur who brings, you know, some experience to the blue line. You have a guy like Charlie Curdy who's played huge minutes last year. And I expect to be, you know, a, a number 
be probably, you know, he's definitely going to be a first pairing guy this season. And, you know, yeah, did I sound immature? But did I hear the name Broder in there? Is, Any relation to Marty's family? He is not related to Marty's family. <laughs> Are you sure you got to get him an ancestry DNA kid? <laughs> I I did my Sorry, research. I just love to. He is not related to the uh, Marty. There's a lot of people with similar French last names. It's just you never know who's with who. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to get too carried away with that one. But um, you talk about how you know they add a lot of good players in Adirondack. Um, you know, Megan Bonte talks a lot about um, her team in Maine. You know. It just seems to be that they will, you know, start to come back with Maine. Um, hopefully, it seems like you're talking about uh, Fort Wayne that they might have a season. Yeah, you know, um, you know, look if you look, you know, obviously the SBHL, you know, the the lower leagues have started, but you know the the ECHL, I just don't see any way they start up before January, especially with the border closures and having two teams out there. I mean. You know, even though it's been, you know, you know, we were seeing signings. I think the biggest news we have coming out of the ECH in the last, you know, week is that, you know, it looks like Coralville, Iowa will be getting a team um, starting in the 21-22 season, which is interesting seeing that originally it was supposed to be uh, Trois-Rivières getting a team, but I don't think that's going to happen in the 2021 22 season with everything happening. And if it does, we'll see two expansion teams, which I think will be very interesting for the ECHL, but huge for the ECHL just to get more coverage. Right. And it seems like, you know, usually when I hear Iowa, it's usually about the wild, the Iowa wild. And that AHL team seems to find a lot of great fans in that area. You know, what do you think about, you know, the market in Iowa that is starting to really stick out? I, I think, you know, if you put an, an, AH, an, ECA, an AHL team there, you know, it kind of gets the fans involved and getting just another minor league team. It's going to be huge for, 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 for the state and the city of Coralville. And so what is it about that city that makes it so special to be a really good hockey town? You know, I, I think, I, I think, you know, it, 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 it's their first professional team. And I think, you know, anytime you bring a professional team into a new city, it gets the, 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 the city involved. It gives them something, you know, to root for, something to be together with. You know, it it gives them it, – it's just going to be a very good experience for the city. Yeah, you know, it's good to have these smaller markets, you know, get, you know, built into a hockey culture. And especially, you know, Iowa's not too far away from Canada. If you look at it on the map, you know, maybe just one state away. But, you know, it's re- it's really good once things start to um, – I don't know what a new normal will look like, but um, hopefully whenever there's some sort of vaccine or a drop in cases, you know, and whatever this pandemic um, hopefully goes down, um, we can hopefully resume things in a, in a new normal. For me, I was talking to a season ticket rep, you know, on the phone one day. And she told me, you know, it might be a little bit later than December 1st, uh, you know, than what, you know, the league was expected for the NHL. But it seems like something similar could happen with other leagues in uh, North America. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, how, how, how things, you know, adjust and what the new normal looks like in the ECHL and, and you know, the AHL and the NHL. Yeah, I was going to say, um, do you have anything that you want to wrap up with within the next few minutes, you know, that you want to tell us? Um, you know, I think besides that, you know, I think we all know that, you know, ECHL hockey probably we won't see that till the new year. Um, you know, I would just, you know, as much as I have, I hate to do this, I got to promote, you know, our three stars, uh, our three stars of the ECHL series, which comes out every Tuesday. And Saturday mornings on the Um We recently started this a few weeks ago, and we're basically taking three players who've either made 
who have played for that ECHL team and have been, had a big impact, maybe not on on the ECHL, t- ECHL team or on the AHL or NHL teams um, in uh, during their careers. And so, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs. We talked a lot about player development, the draft, um, the ECHL, and probably talking things over about how the league is innovating and also – the NWHL, but I really must say, you know, it was a really great time having you on. I mean, talking to you over a week ago about this type of uh, podcast and um, definitely do it once again. And if anyone wants to join in, you know, you know, let us know. Well, dude, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. And uh, I like to say, let's have some heads up hockey. All right, peace.